Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I'm just going to start by saying go blue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a big Big Friday night show, dude. I mean, did anything happen this week, Chris? Are we, I mean, no shortage of topics, that's for sure. I don't know how we're even going to put a show together. I thought we were going to spend the whole time talking about the Big Ten championship game, which is obviously a big deal. It's the eve of the Big Ten championship game. And then, you know, over the last couple days, it's just kind of been, it's been wild out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a little bit much. There's been plenty of stuff, uh, plenty of things to talk about. Uh, we will get into that. We might have actually, uh, we might have actually cut a segment. Chris is not going to get to call me dumb or smart tonight. I do have the story up. Well, I, I can still do that. I can still we do could. That. Well, that's that's fair. Uh, but you can go check the story out over at WolverineDigest.com. My five specific predictions for the game tomorrow. But uh, we're going to talk about several of these things that have happened over the course of the last. I guess it's been like 72 hours or so. Blake Corum news, Mozzie Smith, Cade McNamara. What else yeah. was there, Chris? I feel like we had four or five damn things we had to go over. I mean, there's that. There's the Pac-12 championship game tonight, which That's obviously tonight, has big sir. implications in the college football playoff. I mean, there's... You know, there's the meltdown in East Lansing that's going yeah. on that you and I had a pretty lengthy talk about earlier today that, that, that I think we're going to spend a little bit of time on, man. There's just there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to chop up. No doubt. No doubt about it. We will get into all of it starting. I, here's here's what we'll do. We'll do. I think we're going to go in order of like what we can get through the smoothest to the to the rockiest. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that feels fine. All right. Then first out of the gate. Cade McNamara announcing his transfer to Iowa, which I actually said on a podcast a couple weeks ago. I said, watch out for Iowa. Little tipster over there in Iowa City ended up being right. Not a big deal. Not that not I'm not I'm not going to pound my chest too much on predicting where Cade McNamara ends up, but he stays in the Big Ten and. That's I don't know, dude. It seems like a pretty good fit. I mean, like that's a he. He looks like an Iowa quarterback. Well, when you go from uh, a dead body for a quarterback in uh, what the, what the hell was that guy's name? Petrus. Petrus. Petrus, I think. Petri dish. Whatever the hell his name is. Not a great quarterback. Uh, and when you bring in a guy like Cade McNamara, who has, you know, he's won a Big Ten championship. He's beat Ohio State. Um, obviously had a lot of success as the uh, the starting quarterback at the University of Michigan. I think that. You know, and you can see it on social media. Iowa fans are excited to have Cade McNamara um, out there, and, and and they have every reason to be. And we talked about this before that, you know, even though we both knew and believed that J.J. McCarthy was the best option for this team moving forward, I mean, nothing but, but appreciation for what Cade McNamara did. Um, he played his role well, and the team uh, enjoyed a lot of success. And, and make no mistake, he was – you know, he was a big factor. Mike Sainer still said it. Mike Sainer still flipped his commitment because Cade McNamara said, "Hey, come to Michigan here, and we're going to be we're going to be the group that's the change and makes the difference." And you know that that turned out to be true. And so, you know, I again, I don't want people to confuse. Obviously, we thought JJ McCarthy was the better option, but Cade McNamara did a whole hell of a lot for this football program, not just on the field, but who he was in the locker room and the leadership that he's provided. Even J.J. McCarthy said that, 
you know, from afar, Cade McNamara continued, you know, his leadership role as a captain on the team. And man, it's been, you know, you hoped he would find a good landing place. And the fact that it's in the Big Ten. Now, Michigan doesn't play Iowa next season, at least not in the regular season schedule. There's a chance that they could meet in Indy, which would be Whoa. incredible. That would Whoa. be must see TV, right? But yeah, I think it's great that he found a new home so quickly. And uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about a good fit. I think Cade McNamara and Iowa go together like uh, PB and J. Carrots. That's right. That's right. right. Like Forrest and Jen A. Uh, <laughs> there, I mean, it's it's what we've said all along, dude. I mean, you just hope it works out for the best for him. He's got he's a good player. I mean, like it, it wasn't about like Cade's bad. It was just everybody, you and I included, thought higher ceiling with JJ. He brings a little more to the table. That's as deep as it went. Never going to be able to take away those numbers next to Cade McNamara's name for the 2021 season and what he accomplished and what he did. And I wish him all the best, man. Like we said it last year and it turns out we ended up saying a lot of the same things this year about the passing game and what it looked like. And there were several, several times during the podcast where you and I kind of looked at each other and said, like, might've been a little bit too critical of Cade McNamara. I think it was more yeah. of the system than it was him. And he's, you can look back and find some really nice throws that he made and he took care of the ball and he did a lot of winning. He made a lot of plays that lead to winning football. And yeah, I think that's, that's exactly what Iowa needs and that's exactly what he'll bring to the table there. So um, Godspeed to Cade McNamara and hope he does a really good job in Iowa city. And yeah, what, what how incredible that be is if it was Michigan, Iowa in the big 10 title game next year, it'd be pretty crazy. I would love it. I would still love yeah. Michigan's chances, obviously, but to see Cade McNamara on, on that stage and, and to get that opportunity against Michigan, I mean, obviously, and you could see it when, when the transfer announcement came out that his, his teammates, former teammates at Michigan, uh, have nothing but love for him and who he is as a person and what he did for the team. And so I don't think that there's any, certainly not any ill will, you know, between Michigan and uh, Cade McNamara, at least not from Michigan's side. But, you know, he's also a competitor and he lost the starting job. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that if he has the opportunity to face Michigan again in a Big Ten championship game, that he's going to be highly, highly motivated to play the best game of his life. So it would be, it would be phenomenal, man. No doubt. No doubt. It would be... It's one of those storybook things. I mean, you just, you know, that he's not going there for that to happen, but it's it sure. would feel like he kind of did almost. <laughs> like that's that's kind of how it would end up playing itself yeah. out. And the way the West is, Iowa certainly has a chance to get there next year. Let, let me ask you that question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the teams are going to. You got Luke like Fickle now out in Wisconsin. I mean, you got things happening True. out there out west. You know, you know? got Matt Rule at Nebraska. I've always liked right. him as a college coach. So yeah, right. the, the West got a pretty big shakeup this off season. But let me ask it to you this way, Chris. And again, the transfer portal is heating up like, you know, like crazy right now. We don't know what the roster is going to look like for Michigan, for Iowa, for the aforementioned Badgers and Huskers over there in the West. Minnesota is always kind of hanging around there a little bit. Who has a better chance of making the Big Ten title game next year, Michigan or Iowa? Michigan. There's no question. No question. Zero That's question. Are you kidding me? Hey, I'm just saying. I mean, I mean we talked about this on the previous the show. Look at look at who's coming back. JJ McCarthy coming back. I know. Edwards coming back. Blake Corum probably coming back. That whole stable of receivers that they have coming back. I mean, you know, they've got some key pieces on the offensive line that are coming back. A lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Will Johnson, uh, Mason Graham. I mean, Kenneth Young Graham. Person. You can go down the list. Young guys who got crucial, crucial playing time. And I said this before. I, I you know, Michigan is going to be a force. You know, not just this year. 
not next year, but I think what Jim Harbaugh has built in Ann Arbor is built to last. And I think what they have going there is, is something that's going to carry over for years to come. So certainly I would give the edge to Michigan by, you know what I found myself doing today too, like shopping the transfer portal for like a center, like a, like a, <laughs> like a right guard, a left. I'm like, Oh, 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 a guy started 42 games at center for Stanford. Let's get him on the horn. Like you're going to get a lot of that. I mean, Michigan obviously went to the well and got Olu this year and that's, that's paid huge dividends pairing him. Dude, you just think about the the middle of that O-line, all first team, big, all Big Ten. You've got Keegan, Olu, Zinner, like just road grading, dude, and probably two, maybe all three of those pieces gone next year, so maybe they go back to that well and look in the transfer portal. But anyway, Cade McNamara hit the transfer portal not long after. Now he's headed to Iowa. Hope he does a good job out there in Iowa City. All right, second thing on our list, Chris, uh, unfortunate news, Blake Corum, which – I don't really know if it, it like the fact that he's getting surgery and is reportedly going to miss the rest of the season really changes what we thought was going on anyway. I mean, it looked like he was done. I mean, he, he tried to go against Ohio state. He clearly could not. So now, you know, I, we talked about it a little bit. We were like, I, he probably isn't even going to try to give it a go for the big 10 title game based on how it looked against Ohio state, the playoff. That was a different story. Now with surgery being the option, it's he's probably shelved for, for, 2022 i mean like that's probably it for this year yeah and i think that's probably probably the smart move i mean you know based on some of the things that 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 i knew and that we talked about a little bit i just none of it really comes as a surprise and and again it goes back to the fact that you know blake has had such a huge impact on this team uh as far as being even being in this position to be able to play in indy and you really hate to see that you know, he can't participate in, in, you know, some of the the biggest games of the year. Um, and I don't know what that means as far as what his future at Michigan is, whether or not, right. you know, he's got intentions of going to the next level. We talked about this a little bit before we got on the show. We were texting back and forth, and I was sort of naming off all the, you know, all the reasons why it probably makes sense to go to the next level. But then I started thinking, I'm like, man, there's a lot still on the bone here at Michigan. You know, yeah. if he can't play for the rest of the year in terms of, you know, being a captain on this football team, if he comes back next year, there's no question that he's going to be a Heisman front runner right out of the gate based on what he did this year. He's the Big Ten uh, running back of the year. So there's a lot that he's got going in his favor, regardless of what he chooses to do uh, for for selfishly, for personal reasons. I hope he comes back, but I think Blake Corum is going to be just fine no matter where he goes. And Michael Benton, why the hell are you here? Get the hell out. Get out. I... Uh... I don't want to disparage out. anybody else out there, but I I challenge you to find anybody doing three shows a week an hour Jesus long talking Christ. about this. The guy's about. done nothing but complain since he's been in. Pound sand, lick get his ball. Ass out of here. Peace. Have a good night, dude. Oh my goodness. Have a good one. Have a good. <laughs> throwing one. off the whole the whole vibe, the whole mojo, throwing it off. Later. Get the hell out. Um. Anyway. Yeah, I I mean there's there's a lot of reasons for Blake Corum to figure out what might be waiting for him at the next level and there's a lot of reasons for him to come back. Uh he seems like he loves it at Michigan. He kind of he kind of feels like he's wired that way. And dude, honestly, like running back just isn't that kind of position anymore in the NFL to where you're like, yeah, yeah I'm going early for sure, but like I mean like don't get it twisted. If Blake Corum is a first four round drafted guy, which I presume he would be, He's going to be making bank. I mean, like, it's a lot of money you get drafted in the first four rounds of the NFL. But it's not like it used to be. And and 
there's also the fact that Blake Horam has carried the ball a lot. He's carried the ball a lot, and that that's a position where you you don't have a lot of years. You don't the shelf life for a running back in the next level is not long, and so there's a lot for him to think about. And you know he'll be talking to his family. He'll be talking to Jim Harbaugh. He'll be talking to um, Mike Hart, who who went through it. I mean he'll be he'll be vetting all of his options for sure. But whether he goes pro or comes back, the dude's going to succeed. I have no doubt about it. The injury. He'll, he'll work through it. He'll rehab it. He'll get better. It'd be amazing to see him come back for the playoff, although I don't think I would bet on that. Um, and if his time is done at Michigan, man, you just, you know, pat him on the helmet and hope he does awesome things at the next level because he was incredible for about 11 and a half games or 10 and a half games this year for the Wolverines. And I, I'm, I'm with you. If he came back next year, he'd be on that Heisman ballot from day one. And I don't really think much would change. I think he would have another very, very productive year productive year even with a new offensive line and uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to see man if he uh if he sticks around or he decides to head to the next level so it's just god it sucks that he's not playing in this game and 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 beyond it just blows it just it just is what it is yeah and 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 you know i mentioned it a little bit when we were chatting earlier that you know he had the the injury that kind of had him hampered last year against ohio state obviously he wasn't able to go this year against ohio state and you know, those are things that you got to consider. You come back for another year of college football and you might have an incredible season or you might find yourself with another injury. I just think, you know, to your point, whatever Blake Corum chooses to do, I know he's going to be successful in it. I just, I, I, from a personal standpoint, I would hate this to be the way his story ends at the University of Michigan. That's it. That's a good way to put it right there. Uh, thank you, AC Wilhelm One. For the, for the donation, Blake's draft stock will be similar to Mike Hart's. I think it would be a little better. I don't remember exactly. I was just about to look that up. Mike Hart was drafted pretty late in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I have fourth round in my head, but that might not be accurate. I'm going back to look and see where he was drafted at. He was drafted by the Colts in, oh, geez, the sixth round. Blake Corum will be drafted higher than the sixth round, but it's... It, the top running backs in the country just don't go that early anymore. I mean, there's one, maybe two that get first round grades. And that doesn't always mean that they're drafted in the first round. I don't think there was a first round running back taken last year. And I think there's other backs across the country that would have a higher draft grade than Blake Corum at the next level. So yeah, I I just, I think he would get drafted. It's not going to be super high. It's just because that's the nature of the position nowadays in the NFL. And you know, as productive as Blake Corum has been, and I think could be at the next level, he's not going to be one of these, you know, run a four, three at the combine type of thing. He'll be fast. He'll be strong. He'll be good. The film is great, but it's the position and just the nature of the business right now. He's not going to go that high. So anyway, lots for Blake Corum to think about either way. Future is very bright. If he comes back to Michigan, he'll probably dominate again. If he goes pro, he'll be making money, dude, playing the game that he's, you know, born to play. I mean, the way he treats, the game and how he prepares for everything just uh hopefully he has a speedy recovery and he can get after it yeah mike hart sixth round i didn't realize that i thought it was a little earlier than that but mike hart also uh not super fleet of foot blake Corum would have a faster 40 time and but dude no the production though i mean doesn't get much better than mike hart at michigan all right last but certainly not least chris we will spend a good bit of time on this i saw people asking about it it's layered there's a lot to it um, the, the, the outsides, the outside noise and chatter is almost more, uh, more 
of a talking point now than what actually happened at this point with Mozzie Smith. But news dropped on Thursday morning, I think was it Thursday morning or Wednesday night, one of the two, that Mozzie Smith was pulled over and had a gun in the vehicle, had paperwork for said gun, but it wasn't officially approved yet, so he shouldn't have had it in the car with him on his person. And just within the last 48 hours was was brought up on felony weapons charges. Like a lot of people think that based on how it happened and that he now has been approved and has the official paperwork that it's going to be dropped altogether or, you know, dropped way down to a, a minor misdemeanor that just probably carries a fine. Whatever ends up happening, we talked about this for a while on the phone today. I think both you and I can just look at each other, look at the fans out there, even could look at Mozzie and say, you messed up. You messed up. It's not the biggest problem in the world, but that is a mistake. It was a rule that was broken. And now everything after that is where all the craziness and the nonsense is going with the people in, a, in East Lansing and what you think should have been done or shouldn't have been done. or uh, It just has turned into a cesspool of craziness. You and I were on the phone today, dude. I'm like, are we in the twilight zone? Like, did that, there was a lawyer talking about Juwan Howard and like, what the hell is going on out there? Yeah. I, you know, look, I, I, and I get that social media is a toxic place in general. I mean, that's pretty much the place where morons go to say whatever they want with little consequence. And you can see that, you know, especially when the Mozzie uh, Smith news came out that immediately there were folks from East Lansing or Michigan state fans that were trying to draw an equivalency to what happened in the tunnel between Michigan and Michigan state to, you know, whatever's going on with Mozzie Smith. They want there to be a conspiracy theory. They want there to be something sinister and they're willing to drag Mozzie through the mud in order to make some point overall about the rivalry in general and whether it's you know the the clowns on the radio like Mike Valeni and Rico Beard or Tom Izzo or even a guy like Mitch Album who puts out a lengthy article today about how it doesn't look good and it looks like Michigan did this and it looks like Michigan did that you can stop just miss me with all that bullshit because that's all it is what happened to me seems pretty clear Mozzie Smith had a weapon in his car he was going through training. He purchased the weapon legally, was going through training to get his permit, didn't have it on him at the time he got pulled over, which, by the way, was at like 9 in the morning. So that, to me, suggests that he's probably on his way to campus or whatever. He certainly wasn't leaving a bar late at night or out partying or brandishing his weapon outside of, of the vehicle or anything like that. Didn't have the appropriate paperwork. They ended up letting him go. And then Michigan let the process play out. And now the charges are, you know, the charges have come forward. Mozzie was forthcoming about it. Everybody issued a statement, Harbaugh, Ward, Manual. And it looks like Mozzie's going to be able to play on Saturday. And I do think he should be able to play on Saturday. And to anybody out there who's tried to draw an equivalency between what happened with Mozzie Smith and what happened with Michigan State in the tunnel, you are an absolute clown. There is no doubt about it. I didn't see any video of Mozzie Smith out pistol whipping people. I didn't see him with a gun to somebody's head. I didn't see him inflicting any sort of damage onto anybody else. He made a mistake. He had a weapon in his car and he didn't have the appropriate paperwork to, you know, whatever you need, the license, whatever it is, he didn't have it on him. That is quite a bit different from the video we saw in the tunnel of Michigan football players being assaulted. And the fact that anybody would try to draw comparisons between those two things, to me, what it speaks of is 
There is a meltdown going on in East Lansing right now. They are melting down because their football team is five well, and seven, three and six in conference play, didn't make a bowl game. They overpaid a head coach who they thought was the one, and turns out he might not be. They had seven players facing assault charges. And then you listen to you listen to one of their attorneys today during the arraignment, and you know, he's talking about uh you know, this just isn't a big deal. These types of fights, you know, these things happen all the time. Show me one other incident, incident, not just this year, any year where you've seen anything like that occur inside of a tunnel. I've never seen anything like that. So to me, when you take Tom Izzo's words, when you see what the lawyers representing the players are saying, when you see some of the, the, the talk out there coming out of East Lansing, it, all it shows to me is they don't get it. They don't get it. And what I think it boils down to, and I mentioned this uh, kind of in our lead-in, is the inferiority complex in East Lansing is off the charts. They can't come to terms with the fact that their football team isn't doing well and that they may have overpaid their coach and that they had some shit go on with their players. So rather than come to terms with that, they lash out and they want to cling to this Mozzie Smith thing and they want to try to draw an equivalency there. And it just drives me insane. It drives me nuts. Yeah, it's um, and I see I see uh, you know, some people in here having some issues with it, and and I I initially I thought, and I talked to Chris about this on the phone today, like maybe had he, you know, that he got pulled over the day before the uh, the Indiana game, maybe you sit him down for that one. For what? Out what are you sitting him down for? Well, I mean, he wasn't charged with anything. He didn't get in any trouble, but he still had a gun and shouldn't have. And they knew that he knew that they knew that the cops knew that for whatever reason, the cops didn't arrest him. They didn't take him to jail. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's conspiracy. That's what it is. So I think that's where some of the, that's where some of the like, well, why, why didn't anything more happen? But it didn't, but it didn't like that could have been anybody where you explain exactly what's going on. Here's the process that I'm in. Here's the middle of, of, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of getting this thing approved. It's not approved yet. The cops have, you know, the the authority to say yes or no or whatever, let you go, let not let you go, and that it is what it is. Like Chris said, he wasn't doing anything violent, wasn't nefarious, wasn't three thirty in the morning, wasn't out in a parking lot holding a gun, driving, pulled over. I have a gun in the vehicle. Here's the situation. I, I almost wonder if, if, like, he almost maybe didn't even need to say anything. Like, I mean, unless they specifically asked him, which I don't know. I've never been asked if I have a gun in the car. So I'm, I, it sounds like Mozzie offered that up on his own. I have a permit. I have a vehicle. I have a weapon in the vehicle. Here's the situation. And it played out how it played out. But at the end of the day, like, it, it just seems like, yes, they're, make, they're, they're making these, these comparisons in East Lansing that just don't make any sense. I mean, you, you mentioned it, Chris, the, the attorney on the arraignment, the video has been going around now. The guy saying, you know, Mr. Mr. Brown is a, civil gentle kind soul and then you cut scene to the video he's bashing the shit out of another player 10 on one yeah he looks pretty kind and gentle to me unless yeah, it gets a little mad after a football game where he got his ass kicked yeah like, mr fink uh who's who's one of the attorneys representing uh the five players that were arraigned today certainly didn't like the fact that there was a no contact order issued by the judge basically saying no contact with the Michigan football coaches, no contact with the Michigan football players, no contact with the University of Michigan. And he goes on some rant about how, well, my client is just this gentle, kind, and like you said, you cut to the video and you see the dude 
picking up Jaden McBurrows, throwing him into a door, throwing him out into the hallway. He's there with a group of other players, and it's like nothing about that seems kind and gentle. So, and then and then his lawyer goes as far as to bring in Juwan Howard, as if that has anything to do. To me, it just look. I it, knew. I knew for sure when I looked up that dude that he was an MSU grad. It turns out he's not. Probably couldn't get in. Maybe he couldn't get in. I don't know. But any whatever the case was, I, I like as I was listening to him talk, I'm like, and you and I talked about this, Chris. Like that's what lawyers do. They defend their guys. They they try to paint sure. this completely different picture. Like that's their job. But then he brought Juwan Howard into it. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? The other stuff was nonsense. But I get it. Like, that's what lawyers do. You got to try to make your guy look better. You're defending him at all costs, trying to take, you know, remove him as far away from the situation as you can and make him look better than he is and paint him in a different light. That's what lawyers do in every case. But then he brought Juwan Howard in. And I'm just like, what? what is this guy? Is he on, like, is he one of Tom Izzo's bookkeepers? Like, what the hell was that about? What was that Weird. about? Weird. And it just, it does really make you wonder, like, Oh, actually, AC Wilhelm, uh, there is already a remix that exists with that <laughs> cut scene and the guys. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to see the light of day, but it's out there. I yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, you, you're talking about the the overlay of the video, the, the yeah. lawyer talking. Yeah. So yes. I've already put that video together of together. his lawyer talking about how great of a dude he is while said dude is like bashing the Jane McBurrows into a door and basically jumping in with the rest of his teammates. So look, you know, I feel however you want about the no contact order, but for his, for his lawyer to sit up there and say, first, first he was like alleged, like all of this is alleged. We don't know what happened. Um, and to, and your honor, this no contact order. he's, he hasn't proven to be a threat to anybody. Really? Ask Jane McBurrows that. I mean, ask the people who were assaulted if that's the case. And I don't know why these guys would need to be around Ann Arbor, be around the players, be around the coaches, be around the campus anyway. So what the hell is the big deal? I don't understand. Yeah, it's uh, But you know what it is, Brandon? You know what it is? And I told you this on the phone earlier. I think all of this, the, the toxicity you see online, the way the, the fan bases go at each other, you know what it is? It's the harsh reality for, for folks in East Lansing that no matter what they do, no matter how good they are, they will never matter as much as the University of Michigan. They just won't. And that bothers the hell out of them. And then when you add on to that, Michigan 12-0, and 0, Michigan playing for a Big Ten championship, Michigan in the college football playoff, Jim Harbaugh, Big Ten coach of the year, Blake Corum, Big Ten running back. All of those are just confirmation of things that they don't want to acknowledge. No matter what they do, no matter how good they are, nobody gives a shit. It will never matter as much as when Michigan does it. And I think at the, at the bottom of it, at the base of it all, it's that reality that makes them so frustrated. They just can't come to terms with that. And I think that's what, you know, that's what spurs a lot of this on. It's an inferiority complex gone haywire. It sounds, it sounds obnoxious as hell when you hear him. And we talked about this too, Chris. Like, all right, going on Twitter and watching Michigan State slap dicks talk about it and say these things. All right, that's one thing. You know, guys come home from a long day at work. They're there's there's diehard slappy sparties. They're gonna talk about those kinds of things and do all this all this nonsense. I get it. But when you've got the largest sports talk radio show in Detroit. 
one of the most prominent basketball coaches in the entire country. And then, I mean, you know, this, this guy's not a big timer, but this, this attorney talking the way he's talking, it's unacceptable. It just flat out comes off as like delusions of grandeur, dude. Like, I don't understand like some of the, here's, here's a, for instance. And I know most Michigan fans cannot stand Mike Valeni, can't stand Rico, can't stand that show. I personally like a lot of that show when they talk about the Lions, when they talk, and they they will hammer Michigan State when they need to hammer them. I mean, they've been ripping them all season because of how bad they've been. They finished five and seven, dogging them all the time. A lot of times when they criticize Michigan, the points that they make are valid and accurate. The problem, though, is they can't help themselves. They show their ass and they look inferior, and they've got so much. SDE oozing out of the speakers that it becomes painful and cringy to listen to like, all right, talk about the stuff that happened with the facts of the case and talk about how it was a bad look. I'm, I'm okay with that. Might not agree with everything, but I'm okay with that. But then when they go, Hey, why don't you have Mozzie pick up Xavier Simpson and drive him to a driver's ed court? I'm like, you guys, you're idiots. You're cl- what? Why? Why did you have to go there? And I said this to you also, Chris, they cover it all up with the guise of we're entertainers. We're not yeah. reporters. We're not members of the media per se. We're just out here to entertain like a stand-up comedian who can go up there and spout bullshit all day long and they have no ramifications for it. Those guys don't go to press conferences. They don't go like they don't go to that stuff for some of these reasons. So it it yesterday was yesterday was hard to listen to. It was hard. It was tough. It was tough. It was tough. And, and, and again, it's and honestly sorry. I was just my last thing. What people always say, well, stop listening to them. Don't it, it, it helps with the job. Chris and I have to come on here and fill an hour of time. We write articles. We say plugged in, we're tuned into this. We're tuned into that. It, it, it helps to cover. It helps to, to cover what we're covering with a different layer, with a different angle, with a different depth of what we're talking about. So anyway, I mean, it would, be no, really need to talk about. it would be no Obviously. different than if when, you know, the seven players were or, or after we saw the the tunnel incident, you and I coming on here and talking about uh, Larry Nasser. You know what I mean? Like there's right, right. there's no connection there. And so the fact that now people and I've, I have seen it all day on social media today and yesterday, fans are just they're they're digging into the archives now. They're looking for any sort of, you know, traffic stop warrant uh any sort of citation what i mean it's basically crime versus crime now and people using that as as internet fodder and it's like you know these are actual people that are going through things and i just think when the stuff happened with mozzie the folks in east lansing were far too eager far too eager to start to draw comparisons to what happened uh back in october when michigan and michigan state uh met in the tunnel and i just think it's ridiculous and again you you expect it from you know dinks online who who basically have no connection to anything but when you hear a guy like tom izzo play the victim in that situation or when you see guys on the radio have a popular radio show who talk the way they do i just think it sets let me put it this way what do you Dangerous, think? Man. What do you think the temperature is going to be like the week leading up, the weeks leading up to the game next year? I don't think any of this is going to go away. It's so toxic. It's so bad. And to me, it's so apparent that the people on the side of Michigan State really don't get it, really don't fully appreciate what happened because they they still want to talk about Juwan Howard or they want to talk about Mozzie Smith or they want to deflect and they want to say, oh, it's not that bad. These things happen all the time. I mean, you don't think the players in the locker room hear that? 
you don't think that, you know, the, the, the large fan bases out there hear that. I just think this has been turned up to such a high temperature that I'm really worried about this game next year. And, you know, regardless of whether or not something happens on the field between the players, you're also going to have thousands and thousands of fans in the stands out on the streets, tailgating, drinking. I mean, this whole thing is so toxic that I really think it, it creates a recipe for disaster. And, you know, it, it's a shame. It's a shame that people in leadership positions don't do a better job when they open their mouth in front of the media. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it, it's gotten weird and it always gets weird when something like this happens. Like I said, you try to pull like Xavier Simpson hasn't been at Michigan in like three years, bro. Let's talk like, Oh, okay. Let's go back 15 years. Let's talk about Brendan Gibbons again. You want to do that? Oh, maybe Grant Perry from his incident. I was Which like, they did. And, 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 and told Grant Perry, Ronnie Bell. Yeah, they got his I, name wrong. Didn't even too. get his name right. So, you know, when you're, when you're going out of your way to make these ridiculous comparisons and then you're not even getting the names right, uh, it's just dangerous, man. It's, it's a lot of dangerous talk. And I think that, um, you would just like to see more remorse, uh, from, I guess from, from their side and more of an understanding and appreciation of it, what happened. And all too often, it seems like people want to minimize it. Like, nah, this shit happens all the time. Dude, no. kid's lawyer said it's a fight. They, they happen all the time. I've never seen anything like what happened in that tunnel ever. And I've been watching sports for a very, very long time. I've, I've never seen anything quite like that before. Yeah. Yeah, and wrong. How many? I mean, how many? How, how many other universities across the country right now are having arraignments on uh, you know issues like this where they jump the rival team in the tunnel? Now I know it's the tunnel. It's the tunnel's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, at the end of the day, you're right, Chris. Like this is the type of stuff. This this type of rhetoric. This narrative. This this vitriol. Talking on the talking on the airwaves or in public releasing a statement like Tom Izzo did it, it it incites toxicity and potentially violence it's dangerous it it's careless it's dangerous it's unacceptable frankly like i said talk about it talk about the facts talk about what happened but the the additional all the additional stuff that seems to just ooze out of that city it's it's bad man it's a bad look it's a bad look all right can we shut that down? Can we move to the football field? Shut it down. Let's move to it. Let's Can we do get that. to the Big Ten Championship? Because that's what I want to do. Before Woo! we get to that. Indy, baby. We're, oh, we'll be on the road bright and early tomorrow, brother. <laughs> bright and early. Bright I can't freaking wait. Uh, before we get to that, though, a little shout out to Rich and Mediascapes. Richie. Mediascapes located in Burton. Let me fill you in a little bit about our business. We are a full-service sign and graphic company from banners, yard signs, to vehicle wraps. When it comes to marketing your business, we also provide video and photography services as well as apparel and promotional items. If it's something that will make your business organization stand out, we do it. And I guarantee we do it well. We are Mediascapes on Dora Highway, south of Bristol Road, just before Rock Bottom. Check out our work at Mediascapes.com. That's Mediascapes with a K.com. There you have it, Mediascapes with a K.com, 810-410-4737. All right, we're going to get right into it because we are trying to get out of here before 8 o'clock tonight so that people can watch the big uh, the Pac-12 championship. I want to watch it. Chris wants to watch it. There are ramifications for the playoffs and could potentially play. So, okay. yeah, we want to check that out. Yeah, and also maybe Ohio State backs their non-unworthy uh, asses into the playoff. Unworthy asses. Yeah, so we're everybody's – pretty interested in that who uh who roots for michigan so we'll try to get out of here by uh within the next 20 minutes or so um so that means we're uh, we're on to over-unders chris are you excited 
Let's do it. Scape, we skipped your dumb, you're smart. No Big Ten, Big Lame segment this week because there's only two Big Ten teams playing. That's pretty awesome. So we're on to over-unders. And then we'll finish up with uh, taking a look at some of these big games that are taking place around the country starting tonight at 8 o'clock and into tomorrow afternoon. So here we go. Chris, here's my first one. I love it. I love it. Based on what we saw last week, Donovan Edwards, the Don, Dono, over under one and a half touchdowns scored in the game. One and a half. I think Give me over. Yeah, give me give me the over, especially with Blake Corum not playing. I think that you know Donovan Edwards getting healthier. Obviously, he proved he's healthy enough to to absolutely destroy the Buckeye defense. And so, I think you can Wait. you can expect. Go ahead. Go can ahead. I say one thing to another? Sure. Just absolute asinine, obnoxious dickbag thing I heard on that radio station yesterday. Oh, was that, that he can't Don- run between the tackles. Was that Donovan Edwards isn't yeah. like a true running back? He's not yeah. the kind of guy you want to give the ball to twenty. 20- to have they ever watched football? <laughs> I mean, that's that's just what happens when you hate it. I mean, you're you're gonna have bad takes when you hate something so much that you it's can't. Unbelievable! You know, and and they did they did one of my one of my least favorite things. They're like, well, if you take away the two big runs against Ohio State, what did he really do? Did they not count? Do they not count? Dude, yeah. is it just because it was long not matter? Shut the hell up. I can't. Oh, dude. Listen, Donovan Ooh. Edwards Ooh. can run between the tackles. He can do damage on the outside. The only thing he might not be able to do in Indy is be as much of a threat as a receiver as as he normally otherwise would be if he still got the cast on his hand. So given the fact that I think Donovan Edwards is going to carry the ball quite a bit on Saturday, I, I will definitely take the over on one and a half. I think he's going to have another big performance Saturday night. Hey, Sparty, you know where he can run? To your mom's house. That's where he can run. <laughs> Between the tackles, around the edge, and the wherever he wants, wherever he wants, bro, wherever he wants, just because he was used in a different role because you had a Blake Corum does not mean you can't give that kid the ball twenty times. Unless you're a hater, like, what are then we that's doing? What that means. That's what that means. My God, All right, I also right, Brandon. JJ McCarthy last weekend had an incredible outing. Became a Michigan legend. He had 263 yards through the air. Only 12 completions, only 24 attempts. So it's not like he was lighting it up. It didn't look like Texas Tech out there back in the day. But an effective day through the air and three passing touchdowns. So he had 263 through the air. I'm setting the over-under Saturday for 260 yards through the air. Over-under. I like your number. Um, In my article... The one that we skipped from You're Dumb, You're Smart, I said 250. So I feel good about it. I will say over. I think JJ yes, McCarthy. I'll say 260. Yeah, say, I, I'll, say, I'll still say over. Oh, so I you're going to say over. Okay. Yeah, I think he will be, uh, you know, indoors, uh, perfect settings, Purdue's pass defenses, you know, mediocre at best. They're number 59 in the country. They don't pose a big threat there. I think Michigan's offensive line gives JJ all day long to throw if he wants. And they hit a couple long ones last week. I, there's no doubt in my mind they feel like they're going to be able to do it against Purdue. Give me the over on 260. I'm going to take the over as well on 260. And I think a big part of it is what we talked about all year is you wanted to see the passing game have a bit of mojo. You wanted to see them get a bit of rhythm. And now that you have it, you're going back indoors. You're going to be on the turf. I just think JJ is going to have an incredible evening. I'll take over on 260. 
I think it's I think it's going to be a big day for Michigan. I think they're going to freaking roll. I mean, I, I know when we came into the game last year against Iowa, we're like, yeah, maybe it'll be a kind of a, a slugfest. Little, did they, they ran them out of the building. I think it's going to be very similar. I do. I think you could throw up just about any offensive numbers you want. I'm going to take the over. Until I yep. see otherwise, I mean, we'll see what it looks like, but I would take the over as we sit here right now. So, yeah, give me the over on, on JJ for 260. Um, Chris, I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't know why we've done it all year. Andrell Anthony. Andrell Anthony. Sorry. I got ahead of myself. That's the wrong list. That's oh, Jesus. That's from, my, that's from my article. It's not my over-under. Let me back it up. Let me back it up. Cornelius Johnson. Over-under. A 40-and-a-half-yard catch. 40 and a half yards. Is he Michigan's newfound, dependable, reliable deep threat? 40 and a half yarder. I'll tell you what, it sure seems like it, man, because he's not, you know, he doesn't have the speed like Roman Wilson to get up and go, but once he gets in stride, I mean, what do we say? He's 23 mile an hour, top end speed. I mean, yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a hard guy to catch. And so I would say based on what we saw last week, there's probably some confidence there in the connection between JJ and Cornelius. I think they'll have something dialed up again. So give me, give me the over. That's what I think. I think after JJ and Cornelius saw it happen twice last week, I think they're feeling it. I think they're going to try it. I think they're going to try it. And it's a matter of him shaking loose, getting open and JJ putting it on him. I will take the over on a 40 and a half yard reception by one Cornelius Johnson. All right, I want to talk. I'm going to go back to J.J. McCarthy, go back to that well. Uh, last Saturday, he had six carries for 27 yards. He did porn. find the end zone. One. Oh, God, we're getting yeah, more porn. porn. That, time of the, that time of the evening. Oh, geez, 69mega.com. Holy hell. Uh, J.J. McCarthy on the ground. <laughs> can't more. even keep up. There's more porn. Do you think there's, like, people sitting in a room that time it and say, okay, now, now, go. Porn. I mean, how does that happen? I don't know. I don't understand. All right, J.J. McCarthy, last week, six carries for 27 yards. He had a touchdown, a big touchdown on the ground that helped put Michigan further ahead. I'm curious how they're going to use him in the Big Ten championship game as far as his mobility and how much they're going to let him run. I've got rushing yards for J.J. McCarthy set at 30 and a half, 30 and a half rushing yards on Saturday night. You taking the over or the under? Mm, that's a good number. I think I'm going to take the under. I think I'm going to take the under. I, like when you started talking, I was like, ah, I see him getting like 24, 25, 28 yards maybe. Now keep in mind, sacks come off the rushing total too. He's been pretty clean this year. If you take like one kind of bad sack, which JJ has in him from time to time, and then instead of having to get 30, you really got to get like 42 yards rushing just to get back to that mark. So I will take the under. I mean, I think he's going to use his legs and be timely with it and, and perhaps even score another rushing touchdown from in close. But he just hasn't had the propensity to take off much, and Michigan certainly doesn't really feel the need to run him that often. So I'll take the under, but not by much. Yeah, I'm going to take the under, too, uh, only because I don't think it's going to be necessary. I think Donovan Edwards yeah. is going to handle his business, and then you've got C.J. Stokes. you got Isaiah Gash. Hell, you might even see Khalil Mullings out there running the ball, throwing touchdown passes. I don't know what's going to happen in the backfield. All I know is that J.J. McCarthy 
probably not going to need to use his mobility, at least in terms of rushes, uh, that often. And so I'll take the under on 30 and a half yards from McCarthy on Saturday. There you have it. Throw this up real quick from AC Wilhelm. Appreciate you, man. I just, I know you're doing a prediction. I would have waited till the end, but I probably would have forgot. But you also have a question with it. Should Edwards and Morris sit to heal, seeing that Michigan is making the playoff anyway? I don't think so. If they were good enough to go last week and play a full slate, they're good to go. Uh, I, you're still not at 100%. Probably Dono with the cast and Morris certainly looked a little hobbled. But that's the end of the year, man. You've got three weeks or more to heal up after this one. Go out there, give it what you got, and then and then try to get better. I also think, let me let me take it back a little bit. I also think it does depend on the injury. A lot of times in football, you'll get a you'll get an opinion and say, look, you're, you're not going to make it any worse. It just hurts. So can you tough it out and play? I Obviously, I think that's what they're both dealing with because they were both out there last week. If it was something where they could really damage it long-term, they wouldn't have been out there. So I would say no. Play them and, and uh, then rest them leading up to the playoffs. Yeah, I like that. The only the only place I, you know, I, I'm fully on board with Edwards playing because, again, he proved he's more than capable of, of doing big damage on Saturday. Mike Morris is one of those guys where, you know, if he's not 100%, I think the Michigan defense and what they have for in terms of edge rushers, I think that, you know, they've got plenty of guys there that can step up and get the job done. Obviously, I want to see Mike Morris play. Uh, but if he's not 100% and you know that Michigan is prepping for the college football playoff, then I would say, yeah, rest him and and make sure that he's ready. But yeah, if, if, if he's even close to 100% and he's able to go, then I don't, you know, you don't rest anybody. You try to go out and win the damn Big Ten championship two years in a row That's and then favorite. make history by being the first Michigan football program to notch 13 wins. How cool would that be? Pretty you awesome. That game if you're a Wolverine. Perfect segue, and it's going to be fast and easy. Mike Morris over under half a sack. Dinged up. Uh, Didn't look like he could do it on on Saturday. What about tomorrow? I'm going to talk with my heart on this one. I'm going to go with the over. Give me the over. I think Mike Morris will be ready to go. I think he'll be healthy. And and obviously, if he's out there on the field, he's a guy that he's a difference maker. He's a guy that makes plays. So give me the over on a half sack. I think so, too. He's. I remember what he looked like against Illinois. It was bad. Like, he came trotting out of the tunnel and could barely move. And then against Ohio State, he went through all the drills and looked a little bit better. Still limping a little bit. Didn't have that burst or that explosion. But he was out there, and he played quite a bit. I can't remember the snap count. I looked it up, and I forgot. But he was out there a good bit. I expect him to be a little better this week. Aiden O'Connell's not mobile. I think Mike Morris gets home and gets him a sack. I like it. I like it. And, And here's another thing I like. The Michigan defense overall and the way that they perform in the second half. And I'm going to read this number, this list real quick. Over the last seven games, here's what they've surrendered in the second half. Against Indiana, zero. Against Penn State, three. Against Michigan State, zero. Rutgers, zero. Nebraska, zero. Illinois got 14. Ohio State, just three points in the second half. And so I'm curious, what are we going to see in the second half against the Wolverines in the Big Ten Championship game against that Purdue team? I'm going to set the over-under on second-half points at 10.5. By Purdue. By Purdue in the second half. 10.5 points in the second half. Give me the under. Why the hell would I think Purdue could do anything that do something that nobody else has been able to? Ohio State couldn't touch it. Some of the other teams that are, I think, better than better than Purdue could not do it. It, it kind of comes back to like what I've said. Like Until I see otherwise, I'm just going to roll with what feels normal. I'll take the under. What if I change it to six and a half? What if I change it to six and a half? 
Where are you at with that number? I'd still take the under because I think I'd cap it at about six points. I don't see them scoring a touchdown in the second half. I don't. So unless they somehow bang through three field goals, I would take the under even at six and a half. I mean, for me, it's hard to imagine that dominance continuing when you look at the numbers, especially when you look at what they did against Ohio State in Columbus, only allowing three points in the second half. To me, that's right. like the type of stuff you could only dream of. Uh, but I'm with you. I just don't see a scenario where Purdue can score a touchdown in the second half. They might get a couple of field goals, but on 10 points, 10 and a half, I'm certainly going to take the under. And if the question was six and a half, I'd probably be inclined to take the under on that as well. It'd be close. I mean, be if close. I was doing real money, I'd have to think about it for a real while. Real money on six and a half? Yeah, yeah, I'd have to think about it for a while. But like I said, I mean, uh, based on what the defense has done and how they come out every second half against a Purdue team that's just not as good, man, not as talented, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they get there. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it looks. C.J. Fraser hits it on the head. A, a late garbage TD pass, maybe. I mean <laughs> – But that's what I thought would happen against uh, Ohio State or Nebraska or Rutgers or Michigan State, and it turns out they couldn't do a damn thing in the second half. So, how about how about forty-two to three against Iowa in the Big Ten title game last year? I mean, I know Purdue does have a little bit more offensive will will uh, firepower than Iowa, but I this Michigan defense is better than they were last year. It's ready, dude. It's ready for it's ready for another performance. I think. Um, this is a this is kind of an interesting one, Chris. I liked this one as I was putting it together. S- freshman running back CJ Stokes will almost certainly get a few totes tomorrow. Now that Donovan Edwards is the number one and Blake Corum is on the shelf. CJ Stokes' longest run in the game, Chris, over under eight, uh, 16 and a half yards. Under. 16 and a half yards. I feel take- like he's been quite close to breaking one a lot this year. Close, but I'll still take the under. Um, you know, I just it, it, until I see it, until he gets a little more consistency out on the field. I mean, we all know he's certainly capable of it, and with Blake Corum being out, yeah, his, his the number of carries is probably going to increase uh, quite a bit. But I mean, even what I'm looking back at the numbers from Ohio State, he had two carries for five yards. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, it's I'll just take the under on a gut feeling. Nothing against CJ. It's just haven't really seen it that much this year. And if I was putting money on it, I'd take the under. Just for those people out there who are guessing on that, that was one run, by the way. One run for 16, right? 16 and a half. Long of the day, 16 and a half over under. Not total rushing yards. I'm taking the over, Chris. I think he pops one. Okay. I think one of those shoestring ankle tackles, he's going to step out of it tomorrow, and he's going to have at least a 20-yard run, at least one. Be great for it. Michigan to see him I have see a breakout game in Indy. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he again, he certainly has the the talent and the ability to do so. So there's no reason why. I'll take the you know. You know what? That's a smart call, Brandon. I've I've had a chance to call you dumb and smart. I'll call you smart on that one. Thank you. All right. Thank so we you. talked about how many points the Michigan defense has been giving up in the second half, but let's not forget about the Michigan offense. They've also been performing pretty damn well in the second half as well over the last seven games, averaging 22.4 points per game in the second half. And so I'll set the over-under for second-half points offensively for Michigan at 22.5. Are you taking the over or under at 22.5? Let me do this with you then, Chris, because I have Michigan's total points at 44.5. So let's make it a two-parter. Okay. So essentially, we did right down the middle. We didn't even, you know, you said 22 and a half in the second half. I said 44 and a half total. 
where do where do you fall on what Michigan's offensive output is going to look like? I would take the over for both of those numbers. I would. It's what I've said. Until I see otherwise, this team can score. They score a lot in the second half. They've dominated better teams. Give me the over. Get them in the end zone as much as possible. Yeah, give me the over as well on both. I'll take over on 22 and a half, and I'll take over. You said 44 and a half? Yep. Total points. I'll take the over on that as well. I think, you know, you get inside of Lucas Oil. Again, you're on the uh, synthetic turf. You're indoors. Fast you're able track. to play a little bit faster. Yeah, I think Michigan's – I think that offense uh, – is just primed now after what we saw against Saturday. They, their confidence is through the roof. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, Donovan Edwards, they they have, you know, Roman Wilson didn't even really have a big game. He's another guy that I think is probably going to step up quite a bit. A.J. Henning, I mean, there is no shortage of guys that can take it to the house that are home run threats. Give me the over on 22 and a half in the second half. Give me the over on 44 and a half overall. I just, I like the offense. I think that they're going to, I think Michigan's speed is going to be very apparent in that stadium tomorrow against Purdue on both sides of the ball. I think Michigan is going to look very fast, and I think it's going to turn into points uh, in a hurry. I really do. That's my last one. Are you done, too? I got one more. I got okay, one more for thought. you. Yeah, we combined that one, so give me. let me hear it. Last week, and man, he's only a freshman, but damn it, Will Johnson looks like the real damn yep. deal. I am very, very excited for his future at the University of Michigan. Dude looked like a veteran out there in Columbus. I mean, he had the swag. He was, like, staring people down. He It looked like he owned that stadium, and he certainly owned the wide receivers he was covering. He had seven tackles last weekend in Columbus. And so I've got Will Johnson's tackles set at 7.5. Are you taking the over or the under at 7.5 for Will Johnson on Saturday? Mm, that's an interesting number. You'd probably like your cornerback numbers to be a little lower than that, honestly. So give me the under. Give me the under because I think Michigan's front seven will do a better job against uh, Purdue than they did. You know, like Ohio State didn't dominate, but they, you know, Chip Trainum was playing linebacker earlier in the year, and he had some nice runs against Michigan's defense. Uh, I know Cade Stove, but I happened to be, it was early in the first half. Will Johnson looked like he was about the size of one of Cade Stover's legs, but he still brought him down out in the open field. <laughs> Kid's tough, man. He's long. Yeah. He's strong. He's always around the ball. He's only been dude, I, he's only been out of position like once all season. It was very early when he got beat for a late touchdown when he wasn't even really playing yet. I still think he's going to be in the mix. He's going to make some plays, but I think Michigan would like it if their corners don't have that many tackles. So give me the under by a little bit. You know, they'll have five or six, four, five, six, something like that. Uh, I mean, he was the leading tackler on Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> so he led the, he led all tacklers with seven. You know what? Give me the under, but for extra credit here, I'll go out on a limb. Give me a pick six for Will Johnson Whoa. on Saturday. It's happening. He's too damn good. He's going to anticipate something. He's going to snag it, take it to the house. Will Johnson pick six on Saturday. Book it. That's that's bold. Unless you're that's putting money on it, then then I don't know that I would do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's it. That's all I got. That's right, because we combined that last run? one. Yeah. There you go. Over unders. It's about eight o'clock, dude. We got to go quick on the on the final segment here. Before we do that, we do. Um, quick shout out to our sponsors: Wolverine State Brewing Company, Michigan Army National Guard. You know, we put the pictures up a bunch of times. Won't spend a ton of time on it now because we're trying to get out of here by 8. Go to Wolverine State Brewing Company. Get a beer. Get some food. Spend a lot of time there. Nate, Jeremy, all those guys over there, incredible people. They will get you right. 
And I mean, dude, we'd be remiss if we didn't show, you know, we didn't show that picture. Woo! Love just it. Blacked out, murdered, dude, just hot. Hotness <laughs> out there at the Michigan Army National Guard. Check them out. Chris is constantly putting up um, sponsored posts on the Facebook page for all of our sponsors, Mediascapes, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and the Michigan Army National Guard. Be sure to check them out. If nothing else, go go browse the websites a little bit. Give them a little bit of traffic. Make it feel like we're doing something. Can we do that? Can we get a little of that over there? Make them feel like they're getting some value out of this partnership. We really want to make sure Screonk again, always. And you know what? I'm going to go right into the music off of Place Your Bets because... Well, hold on. Hold on a second. Oh, wait. We're, we're saving. So there, there are people asking. There oh, are boy. people asking for a video that we promised. That's what we're going to we'll close the for show the very with. End. Okay, we'll save it for the very end. We'll save it that's, for the very end. That's what we'll close the show with. with. Um, all right, we're going to go quick on this, Chris. Not a lot of talking. Utah-USC starts very shortly. Number 11, Utah. Number 3, USC. Trojans favored by three. Who you got? Give me the Trojans. Give me the Trojans. Give me the Trojans. Ass whooping. Leave no doubt. Keep the Buckeyes out. To cover. Number 10, Kansas State versus, I said number three, USC. They're number four. uh, They're number five. They're favored by three. My fault. They're four. They're four. four. I have five waiting for them to lose. My fault. I said number three. They're number four. Sorry about that. Number 10, Kansas State versus number three, TCU. Basically a toss-up game, dude. TCU's favored by a point and a half against the Pesky Wildcats. Yeah, give me TCU. Give me TCU because I want everything to just I want I want everything to stay as is. The top four who are there now, I believe, should be in the college football playoffs. So give me TCU. I think so too. Give me TCU. I think they're just they're kind of a team of destiny this year. They've won a lot of close games. They know they know what it takes to get it done at the very end. I haven't watched a bunch of Kansas State. I, I'm surprised that they have a 10 by their name. I didn't even really realize that when I was looking at these. All right, number 14, LSU, taking on number one, Georgia, in the SEC championship. Georgia favored by a whopping 17 and a half. I'm not sure if they'll cover, but give me the dogs all day long. You know what? Brian Kelly's got a little magic going down there. What? In Louisiana. He's got a little something going on down there, but it's not going to be enough against Georgia. Give me Georgia. What's the spread? 17 and a half. It's a big number. I don't think Georgia covers. I don't think Georgia covers, but give me Georgia. That's what I say, too. Uh, In the AAC, number 22, UCF versus number 18, Tulane. Tulane minus four. You know I love Tulane football. You know I love me some Tulane football. I have no. (laughs) Uh... I don't really know. Give me UCF. I, what, who cares? Does anybody care about that? Sorry, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Give me Tulane. I don't give a shit. Yeah, all right. Whatever. <laughs> ACC championship. Number nine, Clemson favored by seven and a half over number 23, North Carolina, eight o'clock. Give me Clemson, but I don't. Uh, they've, they've played down all year long. I think they win, but I don't think they win by eight or more. And Drake May is quietly having probably the best quarterback season of anybody out there for Carolina. So give me Clemson, but in a close one. Close. I don't like Dabo. I don't like his personality. I don't like his face. Give me the Tar Heels outright to win the game. Give me the Tar Heels. Tar Heels to win it. That's Chris's super dog right there. And last but certainly not least, the game that we will be at in Indianapolis, kicking off at 8 o'clock, unranked Purdue. Taking on number two, Michigan, 16 and a half point favorites. Chris, who you got and what's your score for this one, brother? 
Well, Michigan is going to cover, I believe, and cover convincingly. I've got – look, they're just – they're too damn good across the board. But You go position by position. You go coaching staff, wherever it is. It, it's advantage Michigan everywhere. I got the Wolverines 52, the Boilermakers 13. We're Majority not, of which coming in the first half. We're not far off. I've got Michigan 45, Purdue 17. I kind of see maybe 17 a, points from the boiler. Yeah, you know, maybe a late garbage touchdown like like CJ was talking about a okay. little bit, you know, and that might be about it for him. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue like struggled to score all day long. But I gave yeah. you 17, give Michigan 45. That still covers the large spread of 16 and a half. Michigan hoists the hardware for the second year in a row. Me and Chris are so all deep in a dumpster somewhere. It's going to be cool. <laughs> dude. I can't wait. I can't wait, dude. <laughs> balls deep in a dumpster. I would do uh, it, dude. It's where I'm trying to be. It's where I'm trying to be. Balls deep in a dumpster. It's where I'm trying to be. Balls deep in something. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute, Brandon. Oh, we we owe. Listen, we owe. we owe something to the people. Now it's not very long, but there there was a particular song that came on. We did say that we were going to do a little bit of a sing along if the guys won on the way back from Columbus. This certainly wasn't the only song we went in on, but but damn it, this is this is probably the one we're the most proud of. <laughs> wow, I just I can't I can't wait, and we're gonna be visible because you shot it vertically, so our dumbass faces are still gonna be. We can't even hide unless we go way towards the middle. I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna sit right out here and just own, own it. it. Just own it. It's seven o'clock on the dot. I'm in my drop top, cruising the streets. I got a real pretty, pretty little thing that's waiting for me back in Ann Arbor. I pull up, anticipating good beer. Don't keep me waiting. I got plans to get my fucked up tonight. And all around the neighborhood company, I'm gonna get some mac and cheese with my boy. What a little ad lib. Little ad lib there. With How the, many uh, times after we did that did I sing pull pork? Like the the just. <laughs> oh man! Listen, listen, and I did get hammered, hammered at Wolverine State Brewing Company. Thank you to my wife for coming out and and uh, driving us back to uh, to our uh, our friend's house there in Ann Arbor where we stayed Ooh. for the night. But yeah, tied one on, dude. Tied one. On. Just a small hey, snippet of what went down in that vehicle. I, I don't know. We're, we're, I don't remember the first time Chris mentioned it, but he said if he ever sang karaoke, his go-to song, Nice and Slow by Usher. And they just this happened is, to come on. This is not the first time that Chris and I have felt some higher power when it comes to a song. Whitney Houston, on. I want to dance yes. with somebody. You know? It's, it happens. It happens. Man. There is a higher power out there. Eyes are watering. No, listen, Matt Kirby, that's what you say when you don't know anything. Listen. Okay? We were hitting all the right notes. All the notes. Okay? All the notes. You you bite your tongue, Kirby. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? We just bare our soul like that, and that's what we get in return? Oh, man, what a time to be alive. Chris, always a pleasure. 
I'll see you early, man. Early. Down to Indy. And we'll see you all from Indy. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a little pregame. Maybe we'll do something on the way down. Who knows what we're going to do, but you'll definitely see us one way or another in Indy. There's no question about it. Dude, as if we didn't have enough lines in the water, Chris, did we just dip our toe into starting an album? It's possible. It's possible that an album will be coming. A Christmas album. You know, I don't know what it's going to be. Be putting out some tunes. Get your wallets ready. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I will not be singing for free. <laughs> These golden chords right here. This isn't free, dude. This is not free. No. We do. We do have the album cover. You're right. That's right. That's uh, that's the hardest. Honestly, let's be real. That's the hardest part of making an album is figuring out what the cover is going to be. And then you got, got Leah and Jenna doing backup. Yes. See, true all community that. effort. All that. I love it. All right. We'll see you guys later. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to, we'll have to do something tomorrow. I mean, this is not the last time you'll see us for the weekend. But uh, Chris and I are taking off tomorrow, heading on down to Indy. If anybody else is traveling to safe travels, we'll see you soon.